This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. Before introducing guests of today's episode, I would like to note just a few things. Physical Activity Researcher podcast is committed to promoting equality and diversity in all its activities, including selection of guests. We have limited resources to scout all great researchers from different groups of people, so if you know someone who should be as a guest in the podcast, please ask this individual to contact us directly. As another thing, I would like to ask for your help. Being able to deliver this podcast to you, my audience, is based on how many people find, start to listen and follow this podcast. So I would really appreciate little help promoting this podcast. You can do this by subscribing, following the podcast on Twitter, retweeting tweets sometimes and maybe even giving a good rating if you liked an episode. And now it is time for the actual show. We have a great guest for today's episode. She is a clinical biomechanist and accredited exercise physiologist. She is working as a senior researcher at National Aging Research Institute. Previously, she has worked as an associate professor of clinical exercise and rehabilitation at Victoria University. She has expertise in the area of quantitative gait analysis and clinical biomechanics. Past three years, she has focused on outdoor exercise with equipment and how the built environment can impact on physical activity. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Pasit Levinger. Welcome, Pasit. Hi. Hi, everyone. Yeah, so thank you for taking the time for this podcast. And I assume you are working from home. How How is it going? Yeah, it's not too bad. We've got a nice setup for myself and my husband to be working at home. The kids are doing remote learning, so they're close by as well. Even our dog has adapted quite well. <laughs> He's snoozing in yeah. between. Yeah. Yeah. And so would you like to tell more about your academic background, how you how you started with biomechanics and have moved probably to more translational research at the moment? Of course. So have been doing research for the past probably over 12, 13 years. So I've started my PhD in the area of gait analysis and knee injuries, then moved into more osteoarthritis research and then looking into falls and falls preventions and exercise and then physical activity. So I've shifted a bit more towards the focus of um, aging and physical activity um, so from being an academic, I then um, left uh, the university and moved into a research institute that heavily focused on uh, aging and, and research around false prevention, dementia, mental well-being, and so on. And, um, and then 
heavily focus on research translation and working with the community. So we're doing a lot of, um, you know, randomized trial and, and clinical trials and so on. But it's really, really important that we um, also do research in the community. So we actually translated what we've done with the academia into practice. So that has been quite important in my transition to work with more community and hands-on. And it has been quite rewarding. So um, the last three years, we've been focusing on um, providing or running some exercise program for all the people in the community and collected some data around their well-being, their physical health, and how the outdoor um, impact on their uh, physical activity participation. Mm. So if we start with your your more biomechanical studies with the knee injuries and osteoarthritis, could you tell what kind of studies you were you were doing and what were the main findings? Uh, we looked um, initially at um, people with pain, knee pain or knee condition, if there's any impact on the biomechanics in terms of joint movement and joint moments. We also looked at uh, the impact of food and food function, how it's impacting up the kinetic chain. Um, and then with, with osteoarthritis, um, I've looked at get before and after knee replacement surgeries um, and, and uh, seeing if people walking differently after that, if there's reduction in the law that apply to the joint, the knee joint. This podcast is sponsored by Fibian, a research device that has been shown to be valid in tracking sitting, standing, physical activity and energy expenditure. Furthermore, Fibian has been shown to be valid categorizing physical activity into light, moderate and vigorous intensity. In addition to scientific accuracy, Fibian provides automatically produced and easy-to-understand reports for research participants. Get scientific validation and learn more about Fibian at fibian.com slash research. I guess the, the biomechanics with the with the patient groups and elderly, it provides you a good 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 knowledge base for these translational studies and translational actions where you actually look at the outdoor equipment or or how do you see it? Yeah, that's that's right. So um with all my research, um, there was always, you know, work with humans, so obviously participants, um, and probably I would say 80%, 90% of my research is with all the participants, and I really enjoyed um, a lovely edge group to work with, very wise, um, so that's that's why uh, I actually enjoy doing a bit more hands-on research or doing interventions, so I actually get the chance to work with, with people, yeah. Mm. And so could you tell more about you You looking the outdoor outdoor exercise equipment and their use, and it's it's quite relevant at the, at the time in the world, so could you tell more about those? Yeah, that's right. So the passion started where, um, you know, if you look outdoor, you see that there's not, there are not many opportunities uh, for all the people to engage in physical activity, primarily because, uh, you know, a lot of um, local government invest into equipment that it's primarily for kids, like playground. So um, there was a wonderful, um, we looked at that a few years ago, um, excess equipment um, that is actually uh, produced uh, in Finland, 
and owned by uh, Lapset. Um, that um, we looked at the equipment, and the equipment seems to be designed specifically for all the people. So it had it had some nice element um, that focused on uh, strengthening coordination, balance, movement, and mobility. So we thought we, we, we probably would be good to test and see if we actually design an access program with the equipment, if you are able to see some improvement. Um, so then we ran the first randomized trial using. Uh, the senior exercise park and the results were quite promising um, so then the passion expanded to look at okay we've done that study in kind of like control environment but it could certainly provide great opportunities in the community because similar to playground if you actually invest into installing equipment that it's it's you know safe for all the people to use and primarily it's primarily targeting um, that demographic then you know it could be a wonderful free um, free of charge and a great way to get them engaged and, and become more physically active. So this is where things have evolved to, you know, from a small study to then going into a bit more, a bigger sample and looking at more engagement with the community and local governments to, uh, to where we are at the moment. Mm. And and you mentioned that this device, they, they brought quite nice improvements. So could you tell what kind of improvements you found and how was the training period in the study and how did you measure the improvements? So we, the original randomized trial that we did four years ago, we were looking at um, 18 weeks of exercise intervention twice a week. The equipment itself has um, various stations target balance, strength, mobility, and function. So we designed the program that we we're able to use the equipment as a tool to improve those physical function. And we've run, um, you know, a baseline um, set of um, various uh, physical measures uh, that we looked at, um, that targeting, looking at strength, lowering strength, um, and balance. And then we also looked at some um, health-related related quality of life and then compare it uh, after the 18 weeks. And we did find physical function improvement, which was really, really good. Um, with the current study that we have at the moment, we also run a similar exercise program with the equipment for uh, three months. Uh, we have, again, battery of desert we look that we um, measure from mental well-being, physical function, physical activity level, um, depression, um, socialization and loneliness. So a lot of diff- various uh, outcome measures that we want that help us to get a bit of sense of not just the physical well-being, but also the mental and social well-being of the participants. And we do before and after, so we get the chance to see uh, any improvement. Mm. And and you mentioned that these are special devices from a company called Lapset. Do you think these devices are actually better or were the improvements due to just doing something? How how do you see that? Um, the advantage of the senior exercise park, because um, it's, it, uh, it's an outdoor exercise equipment, there's very other benefits that, you know, people not just for the physical gain but also for the mental well-being because you are going outside and exercising outside and we know it's good for you so there's a lot of other things that come into play that uh, help to promote that uh, wellness and um, i don't think it's 
I don't think that, you know, should replace or is better then, but because it targets various domain within the, you know, physical functions such as, you know, a flexibility and range of motion and coordination and strength and balance, it's unique in that sense. Um, not many equipment actually targeting balance. A lot of the equipment out there is primarily for strengthening. So the combination that a, 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 of that holistic approach is quite unique, but also unlike other um, mode of um, exercise, if you like, um, the equipment has sessions that help us to design or, or run exercise that is very functional. So the movement that we're using are very functional and very relevant for all the people. So unlike, you know, sitting in, for example, if you go to, to a gym and you sit inside a, you know, leg press or other machine that it's quite confined, here we're doing activities that it's pretty much what all the people or what people uh, need to do on a daily basis, it's, you know, so to stand, it's to reach up, it's to be able to walk well. So we're targeting all these functional elements that it's quite important for all the people. The other uh, important aspect that we found quite encouraging is that um, people that actually come and exercise enjoy the socialization because we run the program in group setting. And enjoyment is probably one of the key aspects that we have definitely observed from our participants. So if you enjoy what you do, if you enjoy the company, you're more likely to adhere to that and continue a physical activity participation. So by doing that, we're actually targeting a lot of aspects that are likely to encourage all the people to be more active. It's enjoyment socialization and doing activities that are actually relevant for what they need to function better at home. So a combination of those aspects um, for us we feel are quite important if we want to look at, okay, long-term how we can make people um, maintaining their physical participation, not just doing a few things and then finish and not continue. Hmm. Yeah, and you said that the the differing aspect is that there's also balance training. Could you tell more how is it how is it done and how the safety has been uh, secured? So the equipment um, has a unstable surfaces, so it's actually movable surfaces, so like a bridge or net. So when you step on it, it's imbalanced. So it, what it does, it it makes um, your muscles work in, in a, a coordinated approach to allow you to maintain your balance. So that's what's unique about this. Um, and in terms of safety, um, there's handrail everywhere. So if, for instance, you compare a um, false prevention session that you do at a clinic, for instance, where you have to make sure that there is somewhere for the clients to hang on to or to hold on to, with the senior access park, um, it's quite safely designed. There's always... Um, a place that you can hang on to. And when we, the, the access program that we design is um, progressive. So we gradually increase the difficulty of the exercise and gradually um, participants feel more confident and able to do a bit more challenging tasks and movement. So in terms of safety, we um, the equipment is quite safe. It does not um, provide additional risk to any other rehab-related exercise that you do in a clinic. Um, and because the movement is very intuitive, people can actually go and exercise themselves and not necessarily um, need to have a, you know, a, a, a complicated understanding of what to do and how to do things. Yeah. 
and and how how would you see you said that those are quite quite good devices what what kind of things you would like to see more what kind of things could be improved in this kind of uh, exercise exercise devices for the elderly people um the outdoor access equipment as it said as it stands at the moment is is workable so it's quite a, a safe and and easy to use i think the way i would like to see things moving forward is um, to have both these equipment out on more opportunities for all the people and certainly um with the program that we run we initially um provide the program that are supervised so we have a qualified staff that actually train all the people on how to use it so they feel more comfortable um so providing that supervision aspect for uh, that demographic is actually quite important and um, many old people would like to have someone there uh, you know to guide them to help them to talk to so that aspect is something that we need to be mindful of if we are to design more outdoor equipment like that because in normal circumstances when you have equipment installed outdoors it doesn't mean that people are going to straight away go and use it especially if they they haven't used it before you know have have not been physically active before so certainly provide that engagement and facilitation process when you install something like that outdoors actually quite important and you know and that could be um working with local governments that could be providing some supervised session where there is um a qualified staff or someone who's a qualified professional that can go through the equipment for instance other aspect that uh, can help as well is instructions uh, so there's something that people are able to read and follow as well so there are a few things that you know now that you can expand that aspect of outdoor exercise equipment let, let make it more available for the wider community and make it easily accessible and make it user friendly so everyone can can go and have a go mm. And uh, from the practical point of view, how how is it in in Australia? You have quite a lot of heat, especially in the northern parts, and direct sunlight. Do you need to take those into account somehow? Because elderly might be susceptible uh, training in the in the heat. That's right. So suddenly there there should be some uh, risk management in place. Um, so we in our uh, program. We are quite mindful of the weather, and we do encourage a local governments to cover the excess equipment if possible. So there's some um, shedding from the sun. Um, we do have a policy that in certain temperature we don't do exercise outside. We do cancel or reschedule them. Uh, we also uh, are quite mindful of the time that we run the program. So during a very hot or peak temperature, it's probably um, it's good to avoid them so you want to run the program early in the morning if possible or later when there is um when the temperature is bit uh, um that have reduced a little bit so there's few th- things that you can do um to overcome those uh, weather elements but it is important i think uh, when you you know when you, you put things in context i mean we can't change weather So you know we're going to have winter. It's going to be wet and cold, and summer it's going to be hot and uh, sweaty. So it's managing it in a way that is workable and safe, and but not avoiding doing physical activity. So all these, you know, the weather can be 
some form of barrier, but it's it's possible to go around this. After all, I mean, we have to manage our health irrespective of the weather. If it's hot or cold, you still want to make sure that you know you know the same way that you you brush your teeth in the morning. It doesn't matter if it's hot or cold, and and you know you you have your shower. So it's the same thing. It's just a matter of managing it well, so there are you know um, some safeguard in place, um, and you can move things around, but it's still a good attitude to go and say, okay, hot, cold, yes, might be difficult, might need to move things a little bit, but it's all possible to still maintain our health irrespective of the uh, elements, weather elements. Mm, yeah, that makes all sense. In in Finland, we don't really have the problem with the heat. It's just the amount <laughs> That's of right. snow half of, half of the year. And so. Exactly. What do you do? I mean, you 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 don't go outside at all or you, go, you still go for a walk if you can. I mean, you guys dress up really well. Yeah, so it, it depends that. a little bit, little bit of part of Finland, like Helsinki region is in the very south, so it, it doesn't often get that cold, although it's by the sea, so it's more humid and it feels colder. But where I'm from, I'm from middle of Finland, it's quite common to have like maybe two, three weeks, it's like minus 30 Celsius. So oh you, you can maybe go walk for a few, <laughs> few minutes, but it's, it is quite... <laughs> quite cold but i think in finland the elderly is is rains quite well we have quite a lot of public swimming halls and usually those have have a gym and yeah. and they have a redu- reduced price or even free oh, for yeah, the yeah. elderly people so it's actually quite quite nice when you go to those gyms it's it's yeah. usually especially in the morning it's it's elderly people and they seem to know each other and then there's sauna and and they they are like yeah so as long as the alternatives yeah as long as the alternatives so you know you don't say it's too cold i'm not going to do anything for six months (laughs) yeah yeah so uh, how do you see with the the strength aspect with this outdoor equipment because i think usually they don't offer enough resistance even for the elderly people and i think the like one rm is one rm for also older people and it's beneficial to actually have quite a high resistance that you keep your neuromuscular system so uh, how how do you see this aspect that's right so um there are ways uh, to progress exercise so you increase the load and you make sure that you provide that um ongoing challenge to the muscle um we we use, I mean, when, when clients get to the stage when they're actually quite active, we um, increase uh, the progression of the exercise, but with the use of external um, or other weights, for instance, if it's um, ankle weights or wrist weights, that then gives the ongoing progression. Um, and there's other ways that we modify the exercise to make it more difficult. We can use step, for instance, which then um, makes them. Um, with the sit to stand, for instance, go a little bit deeper. So there are ways that we can keep challenging them to make sure that they don't get into a, you know, a plateau in that sense. So there are ways to make things a bit more uh, difficult, um, which is why my, you know, my trainers normally would be a qualified staff that know what to do in it and make sure that it's it's adjustable for participants. Um, but also it's important to be mindful, especially with, with all the population that um, 
they do have various medical issues. So, you know, we think for us, if we, you know, we go to the gym, yes, we need perhaps to increase weight and things like that. But with all the people, sometimes it's their body weight can be sufficient to keep them going mm-hmm. and, and do some exercise that can kill, still keep them independent around the house, um, if it makes sense. Mm. Yeah, it, it does make sense. And so in, in research settings, you said that you are able to change it. How about when people use them normally? Are there, are there ways and guidelines how to make it a little bit more, more challenging or how does it go in, in these situations? So within the research um, um, aspect, we the measure that we do to collect, for instance, the strengths to understand how how well they're functioning to start with, we do use a um, physical function measure that are quite relevant. So we're not doing one RM or a bit more rigorous uh, lab base to actually measure it. We use a physical function measure. And with the normal circumstances, so for instance, if people go in and, and exercise themselves, you do require a bit more supervision maybe and a bit more understanding and a bit more um, education around that aspect so people know what they need to do. Um, so all these equipment uh, will need to be complemented ideally with some form of educating participants or clients what to do and how to progress it um, to make sure that they're actually uh, yeah, um, maintaining their health and, and progressing um, every time they use it. So that could be that needs to be obviously um, catered for. And there are ways to go around this. I mean, um, they could be possibly an option or I can, I've seen some other equipment that have some instructions in place um, on how to use it, uh, but maybe they need to be a bit more information or or usage of some technology to train and maybe to educate clients a bit more of what to do and how to do it. So that could that's something that needs to be uh, looked at in more details, uh, definitely. This podcast is sponsored by Fibian. Fibian is an accurate sitting and physical activity tracking device and analysis platform. It is a great tool for projects that aim for behavior change in sedentary behavior and incidental physical activity. Fibian provides easy-to-understand PDF and web browser reports for participants. Other features include comparisons to recommendations, linking results to health risks, achievement cards, and interactive goal-setting tool. In addition, Fibian provides an API that allows for easy integration to other systems and applications. Learn more about Fibian at fibian.com research. Fibian. From researchers to researchers. And how how do you see now there's the pandemic going on and and the possibility of infection? Can those those outdoor equipment used safely at the moment? Um so at the moment in Australia we have restrictions. Um we are not allowed to gather and not allowed to use any outdoor equipment or playground. Um that will be lifted soon. However, the few I think there are a couple of advantage um using outdoor equipment rather than indoor equipment one of them is being outdoors so you all ha- you always have circulation of fresh air so you don't have concern of you know if you're using air conditioning of how, what's happening in terms of 
the air if, if someone is unwell. So that's one thing that's probably um, provide a bit more advantage over indoor. And there's the, it, with the cleaning, it's possible to clean. So if you know, if you use good hand hygiene and you make sure that you um, use hand hand sanitizer, if you clean the equipment or the handle with a um, disinfectant, so it's all possible to manage. Uh, it's just a uh, Nowadays, it's a matter of actually putting those measures in place. So if it's in a public space and there's enough education for um, residents to be able to make sure that they maintain good hygiene, but also for local governments that provide those services to be able to come and clean those equipment regularly. So there are ways to get around this. Um, so it's all possible and manageable if we are if we are going to be in that, you know, pandemic space for a few more months there are ways that we can probably manage it well that people can still utilize outdoor equipment and still maintain their physical health mm, yeah i i agree and maybe maybe it's a good time to learn this anyway the the seasonal flus and it would be good for the governments also to take care of the hygiene in in those situations so maybe this is a good good time to learn um How do you see in general the situation with elderly people and probably quite a long, some sort of self-isolation for them? How do you see their physical and mental health situation? Mm. So this is it's probably quite timely question. Um, we, I mean, those that are coming from a you know health professional background are quite concerned about the uh, potential impact that this, you know, self-isolation and restrictions um, will have on all the people's health. I mean, we're certainly concerned that there might be some deconditioning there, physical deconditioning, if people are not maintaining their health and physical function and moving a lot. So that's one aspect. But also the mental well-being is is a bit concerned in terms of, um, you know, not, not just not being able to go outside, but also the, the social isolation, uh, you know, not being able to go outside and, and you know, be in touch with other people so that that's something that it is quite difficult and concerning so it's probably timely to think about ways that you know people can still exercise outside if possible you know practicing physical distancing and not being you know not being closed in a confined environment or at home And some older people might not have equipment like, you know, a, a younger people might have, you know, weights and therapies and things like that. So having the opportunity to go outside for your local park and practice, a, you know, physical distancing and whatever restrictions that they are in place to follow them and then still be able to exercise. So I think if local government will put in place those cleaning aspects, you know, good cleaning routine and, and practice and provide those a uh, positive messaging for all the people that it's still possible to go and exercise and you know as long as you keep you know safe distance and uh, then we might be able to um, overcome that crisis um, or reduce those risks that we um, anticipate might happen with that demographic so very challenging time very important to start thinking Um, what the future is going to look like and very important to be inclusive and um, you know not to think about the kids and adults but also think about you know uh, all the people and how that might impact on them and what we can do to actually support them in that period so yeah very very difficult I'm sure that um, 
many people that have, you know, you had the chance to speak to came up with some, you know, various suggestions and ideas as well. Mm, yeah. And, and do you think there could be some kind of time slot for the risk groups and elderly people that only they would be allowed to go do outdoor activities so you could kind of isolate them a bit more that it would be more safe for them or what kind of kind of creative things you could come up with that the safety could be improved for them i think it's it is possible that's one option that is possible is to limit um, the time that people go out and limit the age group um, i don't know if i you know favor that or not because i think that it's good to have engagement with various age group and not just to say okay uh, you know you're with this age group you're allowed to go outside in this and this time if you are in this age group you're allowed to go in this and this time i mean there's probably pros and cons we suddenly saw in the last few weeks for instance that um that you know there were allocated time slots for people um health healthcare worker and older people in the morning to go to the shop you know, to the shops and they get priority. Mm. That seems to work really, really well. Um, and I think soon they're going to ease that restriction. With outdoor, I think it comes down to also your your area. I mean, I live in a suburb and there's no issues with, you know, physical uh, um, distancing. So you can still go outside and be safe. You know, you can move around mm. and still be able to walk and do things. So, I don't think we've seen that uh, problem as yet. But uh, maybe in the cities there might be some issue around that. Um, but I, I have mixed feeling around those. You know, allocated hours. I think. I think they might. I don't know if they will be uh, motivating, and they might actually be a bit more counterproductive in the sense that you know, once you classify people, you're allowed, you're not allowed. It has this negative context into it, but no. I mean, time will tell. Maybe <laughs> time will tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's true. It it is it is quite challenging to arrange things that you kind of make it safe, but not too much restricting the freedom of the people. I I, I agree with you there. And how do you see you are you have been doing studies with the with people with knee osteoarthritis arthritis, knee replacement, and so on. Do you see something special with the situation with these people? Yeah, so um, people with joint pain or joint condition, um, sometimes the pain can be a barrier to actually go outside and exercise. Um, that's not different to the current situation. It's just something that sometimes it's perceived as, um, you know, dangerous. If there's pain, I don't want to move. Um So that's one aspect, but that um, we actually know uh, from quite strong evidence that managing osteoarthritis um, exercise is one of the key aspects to manage it quite well, and it actually helped to reduce the symptoms of pain. So physical activity is definitely encouraged, irrespective if you have joint pain or not joint pain. Um, maybe um, nowadays people that have some form of comorbidities, if they inside their houses, And um, perhaps afraid to go and see the uh, light health professionals. That might be um, a, something that uh, um, to be mindful of. For instance, what I mean by that is, um, you know, you don't want to, you can't see your your physio or you can't see your excess physiologist because 
a it's not essential and because of the current restrictions so that might be um problematic um so i think here in australia for instance they introduced the telehealth so people can still um consult with the health professionals using using you know zoom or other technologies so that is still possible so they're still able to manage their condition irrespective of the current crisis so and i think it's really important that there is still sense that yet yeah, you can still manage it not everything is on hold because of the covid-19 and still be able to be be out there and exercise so in that regard um education of clients in terms of pain and that pain is is expected sometimes but you can manage it well and exercise is very important for you uh, so you still need to keep your health and your physical health and still need to do your exercise or your rehab exercise and also to allow them to still connect with their light health professionals so they've got that um you know supervision someone that uh, is helping them to manage the condition mm, yeah that that makes makes sense and and earlier you also mentioned that you are doing some clinical trials uh could you tell more about what kind of trials you you are doing um so at the moment um we're finishing um the current study with the exercise bar so we've had a big uh, group um the definition um of clinical trials so we we are both on the same page in that instance we are looking at um health outcomes um so part of the trial we do is to see if if they're training and if they're using the exercise bike are they feeling better are they stronger and so on so that's the current project we're doing um other projects that are more clinically oriented we have we hope to start another randomized trial soon that um help us to um examine the exercise program with people with dementia so we hope to expand what we do with a bit more um um all the people that have cognitive impairment so that's something that we hope to start soon once we have um once we know a bit more what happens with uh, access to aged care and once the um, restrictions uh, will be lifted so that's something that is hopefully will happen in the near future yeah quite a quite a challenging time for for the upcoming <laughs> very challenging yeah that's right projects. so do you do you have any any insights for how how to move forward with the new project when you don't really know can you do the measurements are the funding bodies kind of giving you leeway that you can you can postpone the measurements or what kind of things you have faced in this situation yeah so i think the fact that everyone is affected so it's you know it's a global pandemic it's it's actually quite helpful because we all in it together um so funding body are understanding aware of the situation um for us at the moment because we haven't started that particular trial we're putting it on hold with the hope that we uh, just need to delay it and then can start it a bit later if the pandemic lasts longer than i don't know than we expect maybe longer than six months then we might need to think again um if we're able to carry that project of there there's anything else that we can do very problematic for the studies that required hands on you know they're not lab based so we still need to have one on one with clients 
and with people, so that is difficult. And with the uh, with this particular demographic, because the uh, vulnerable population in aged care facility, um, we, we need to make sure that they are protected, that we don't put them at risk. So, um, I don't have an answer. It's an, you know, it's a matter of just we have to wait and see how things are evolving. Hopefully, we are able to contain it. Hopefully, restrictions will be lifted and hopefully we can start it maybe later in the year. So a lot of it is just unknown at this stage and just mm-hmm. if and if and if and if. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree with you. This podcast is sponsored by Fibion. Uh, my name is Dr. Paul Batman and I'd like to just say a few words about Fibion. Um, I've used it a number of times on different projects that I've been involved in and find that it's incredibly reliable, very valid and incredibly sturdy. I love the graphics that come with it. It really is very clear and can easily see the active and inactive periods as well. So I'd certainly recommend Fibion to anyone that's interested in finding out more about sedentary behaviour, particularly the concept of sitting and how we can possibly break it up with some really good valid information. So we have now discussed about the elderly training possibilities and and of the implication of the pandemic. Is there something you would like to add to these topics or is there some other topics you would like to bring into discussion? I think we've we've covered um quite a lot, I think, in the time that we discussed. Um would be quite interesting to see what the future holds and how that's going to, you know, change the face of research. Um, a lot of it is unknown. A lot of it is, you know, you wait and see and, and hopefully um, things will get to some degree of normality and there's uncertainty around what normal is and how normal is going to look like. I think from a research perspective, um, all researchers are quite concerned and, you know, uncertain about what's going to happen or not. Um, we have had interruption with our study because of the COVID-19. We, we had to quickly, you know, change things and, and just accept that, you know, we might have lost some data. Um, mm. So, and in, in, in terms of how I see exercise and exercise in the future, um, I will be very keen to obviously continue what we do in terms of outdoors and, and green and, and open space and how we able to modify and, and be mindful of the design that we focusing on age-friendly aspect. That is, you know, there's no issue with inequity that everyone can go outside and exercise. Everyone is safe. Everyone is able to have a go. And, and hopefully... Um, we will keep working together in a collaborative way, in a partnership, um, and that's probably the best way to go forward. Mm, I see. And and so you are doing important and relevant work with the elderly people. Are you are you looking for some kind of collaborators, whether in academia or industry? Uh, if if you have any wishes for collaborators, please you can tell here. Um, for us, um, we're always looking 
aged care organizations and local governments to be working with us because um, a lot of the project we do is we do with them. So we like to employ co-design aspect. Uh, so that's that's actually quite important. And globally, I mean, we've had, um, you know, a few correspondence with international um, experts as well to see how we can work together. So from my point of view, um, collaboration and partnership is probably key to success and um, we're also looking at some technology or how we can make the equipment uh, user-friendly how we can use technology to um, allow people to be able to use it and have instruction and have you know video and things like that so there are a few things that we are looking at in terms of expanding our work and um, so you know we we're happy to work with people that are happy to work with us and um, we have to partner because I believe that if we're working together, we're probably stronger um, and we're always looking for funders, but I'm sure that that's probably every researchers will tell you we would love to yeah. get more fundings to do more research. So that's not new, but we're definitely looking for, you know, support from philanthropic bodies or other um, government to help us to do more public health research. Mm. And and even though you said that all researchers are looking for more funding, but I think in your case it could be because outdoor exercise is probably important, really important in next next couple of years, or more important than normally. So you might be in a good position to get get more funding. Um, is there any anything you would like to promote here? Um, not really, um, not something in particular. Um, I would love to acknowledge um, the company that has been working with us, uh, the Excess Equipment Company. Um, they've been crucial uh, in our work and we have no conflict of interest. So they've been wonderful in, in um, allowing us to do our research without any bias and have been quite wonderful in allowing us to provide input on their design and to make make it you know age friendly and so uh, lapset is the um, company uh, in australia uh, it's like industries which is uh, formerly known as uh, lapset australia and our equipment wonderful equipment coming from finland so we are quite grateful for for our partnership with them yeah that's that's good to hear that uh collaboration with the industry is going going nicely and no no conflicts of interest nice to, nice to hear that so i think we are closing our time limit so what would be your final remarks for this very very interesting episode um first of all i want to say thank you only for facilitating this and allowing me to you know, have my two cents <laughs> and share a bit of our experience. For me, the take-home message is um, we need to find ways to work together and to get all the people more physically active and use our expertise and experience and work with them, so work with the community and to to provide those translation research and 
work in collaboration with local government. So we're actually able to make an impact on the built environment. So it's, you know, we will live in age-friendly environment that everyone will have the opportunity to safely, you know, go outside and exercise. Yeah, yeah. That was a good good remarks for the end. Uh it was it was an honor to have you in the podcast, Pasit. I, I had brilliant time talking with you. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time for this podcast. So thank you. Thanks, Oli. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes. So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day. This podcast is sponsored by Fibian. Get scientific validation and learn more about Fibian at fibian.com slash research. The Physical Activity Researcher podcast has created an activity tracker purchase guide for researchers. Get your free copy from the link in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast.